when you're pregnant, you're so excited and you're also told not to tell anyone, so you don't. Um, but then when you have a miscarriage, you have something really awful happen to you, but you haven't told anyone that you were pregnant. And so it's hard to tell people that you then went through something really horrible um, because they didn't even know that you were pregnant to start with. And so I found myself in this really dark place where I wanted to tell people what I was going through, but I didn't know how to tell them. Today, we are talking to Christina about balanced translocation, a term I had never heard before and its association with miscarriage. I sat with my mouth wide open during this episode and shaking my head at the fact that this poor woman had gone through not one, not two, but three miscarriages and really had to advocate for herself to figure out what was going on and why this was happening. I am just in awe of her and how amazing she is. And I really, really mean that. So I hope you all take something from this episode and understand that the stigma around miscarriage, in my opinion, needs to end. And I think the more we talk about it and normalize this, the more women can hopefully deal with the emotions around it, maybe just a little bit better and feel like they're not so alone. Welcome, Christina. Hey, Christina, thanks so much for coming on to Moms on the Mic. I am overjoyed really to have you on and commend you a lot for stepping forward to want to talk about IVF and the process, you know, the the um, experience of, ex- of a miscarriage. Um, and so I just wanted to thank you, first of all, for coming on to talk about something very sensitive. Um, so welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be able to share my story and hopefully able to um, connect with someone out there that's been through something similar and is just looking for someone who knows what they're feeling. Yeah, you know, I appreciate you saying that because I know you and I were just chatting before we started. And I think one of the things you and I really have in common, I mean, among many other things, probably as a mother, um, but is the fact really of just finding information and being able to have this outlet, right, to make women, I think, not feel as alone in any situation. Um, It was interesting that you commented and said the same thing. Yeah, totally. So why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us how old you are and um, a little bit about you and how you met your now husband. Yeah, um, so I'm Christina and I am 32. I work in the education field as a school administrator. Um, have been doing that for like 10 years, really love it. Um, my husband is also in education and people always ask us if we met working together at a school, but we didn't. We actually met online on a super random like app called Coffee Meets Bagel. Don't know anyone else who's ever used it, but somehow uh, him and I both got on this super random app and then found each other. We dated for six months and then um, got engaged and then got married six months later. So it was kind of this like crazy whirlwind uh, relationship. (laughs) So what was one thing that really stuck out to you about your husband that you really loved? Um, he is really funny and, um, I don't know, just like a super caring person. Um, I like, feel like I cry all the time. Like it's like my every emotion and he is like really good at dealing with that. And, um, it's just like always really there for me through so many different things. And I didn't anticipate all the challenging things we would go through when we got married, but he's been like such a solid rock for me. 
Yeah, I appreciate you saying that um, because I really feel like the testament, you know, to like the strength in your marriage comes from a lot of lows, like really, really big lows where you go through these challenges. And I think you look back and say like, or at least I do, I mean, I'm sure you do and say, you know, I really married the right person because they really ride through a lot. So I, I commend you on that, you guys, on getting through all these challenges. So tell us a little bit about um, if you wanted kids, how you guys discussed having kids. What did that look like for the both of you? Yeah, we both have tons of nieces and nephews. Um, we each only have one like brother or sister, but we have eight um, nieces and nephews combined. So we, I know, crazy. So we like have been around kids a lot and we both, you know, are educators. So we obviously really like kids. So we knew that we wanted to have kids at some point. Um, and we, uh, waited until we had been married for three years to officially start trying. So when you say officially start trying, like, were you guys already kind of like, you know, not preventing getting pregnant and kind of just seeing what happened or like, what did that look like? Because, you know, I don't know if you listened to previous podcasts, but I randomly got pregnant. So I'm just trying to understand for people who are like are actively trying to have kids. Like, what does this look like? Yeah. So we we stopped using any kind of protection or anything we had. I hadn't been on birth control at all because I had some really bad uh, like emotional side effects to birth control. So we were tracking things through an app like just logging my periods and trying to do like some timing and stuff like that also. So we like stopped using the app and stopped using any kind of protection and then said, okay, let's try. Um, and that's kind of how it started. So how long did you try before? Like, what did this look like for you? Because I know that you did deal with miscarriage. So how did your story really start? I mean, I know you guys are starting to try to get pregnant. So how did things kind of progress from there? So that's where it kind of got pretty crazy for us. So we tried for um, a month and then didn't get pregnant. And then the second month we tried, I got pregnant and I felt super lucky and was like, wow, I'm just one of the lucky ones. I was able to get pregnant so fast and was just super excited. Um, and then um, I went to the doctors, you know, a couple weeks in like you're supposed to and everything looked fine. Um, and then I went back and they that the the baby looked like um it wasn't quite growing at the rate that it should um and that obviously like made me really stressed out and so we um we kept going back really frequently after that for um it was like every week up until I think it was like eight weeks um and then um we went in and they did an ultrasound and the heart had stopped at that point um and so that was our first miscarriage um and the doctor gave us some choices about how we wanted to proceed you could um do a dnc where they you have to go into surgery and they remove the um, fetus um or you could um, let it happen naturally um and i decided to just let it happen naturally um and it, i i thought it would happen really soon after but it wasn't until around 12 weeks that that actually happened. Um, and it was honestly one of the most like traumatic, um, painful experiences, like worse than childbirth for me, um, to have my like miscarriage naturally. Um, and I was like home alone when it happened, uh, actually driving from the doctor's appointment um, when the like contraction started really bad. 
Um, and I was home and I had to take some medication to kind of get things going too eventually because it, it wasn't happening on its own. Um, and it was like hours and hours of contractions, um, like at home in my house. Uh, luckily, my friend was able to come over and she was there with me um, during all of it. But that was one of the like darkest moments, I feel like, to kind of see what was like in your body come out and, you know, realize that that little life like was no longer. Um, yeah, so that was our first miscarriage. And uh, it was it was a really, really challenging time. And I think like one of the most challenging parts about it was when you're pregnant, you're so excited and you're also told not to tell anyone. So you don't. Um, but then when you have a miscarriage, you have something really awful happen to you, but you haven't told anyone that you were pregnant. And so it's hard to tell people that you then went through something really horrible um, because they didn't even know that you were pregnant to start with. And so I found myself in this really dark place where I wanted to tell people what I was going through, but I didn't know how to tell them. Um, and I, I ended up like having to tell people this, this really bad news um, instead of really happy news. And that's still something that I really struggle with. And I'm still not really sure how to approach when you're pregnant um, is knowing like when to tell someone so you can have that support system. Yeah, let's unpack that a little bit because, you know, it hits home somewhat for me struggling with, you know, my tumor and the side effects of that during my pregnancy. And I think there's like this stigma attached to complaining or bad things that go on, but also things that are common. It's not uncommon for people to have miscarriages, but it's not obviously super, super, super common. I mean, it happens, right? I have friends that have miscarried. Um, but there's like a lot of shame around that. Like, why do you think that that exists? I don't know. I think I, I, I personally didn't feel shame in having a miscarriage. It was just such an emotional like experience to go through that it was really hard to talk about it. Like I'm tearing up now and it's been three years since my first miscarriage or two, I lost track of time. I don't know how long it's been. Um, but it, it's just a, it's so emotional, um, to go through. And I think for some women, they see it as a, like a, a way of not being a woman and they can't do what they're supposed to do. And they're not able to talk about it because of that. That's not really something I ever felt, but I know that a lot of people have experienced that type of emotion. Yeah. Um, I mean, first of all, thank you for sharing this because I think that it opens up a lot of others to feel maybe not as alone in the experience of having a miscarriage, which is just something so horrible. Um, so what did things look like, I guess, for you after the miscarriage? So you miscarried baby at home and did you call the doctor obviously to tell them and what did they, what advice did they give you from there? Yeah. So I, I, I guess I kind of went out of order a little bit, but, um, I was, it, things weren't happening as fast as they should. And so the doctor had prescribed me some medication to help move things along. And that's when I had gone to the doctor and they did an ultrasound and sent me home and I took the medication. Um, and that's when I like started to miscarry at home. And so then after that, um, I went back to the doctor and they did another ultrasound to make sure that everything had cleared out. Um, and it had at that point. Um, and that was kind of it. And they said that I could try again. Um, whenever my period came back. Um, and so I 
just kind of waited for that to happen, which was not until about six weeks later um, that I got my period back. Um, and then we, we started trying again and I got pregnant again, um, a month after that. So the first miscarriage was in June and I got pregnant in August, um, and was really excited because the doctor told me that, um, most women will just only have one miscarriage and go on to have, um, a really healthy pregnancy and that's really common and not to worry. And so I thought, okay, this is it. I'm pregnant again and, you know, everything's going to go smooth. And then I was really excited and told a bunch of people. And this one I miscarried, um, a lot sooner. It was only pregnant for a few weeks when I started bleeding, um, and realized that I was having a miscarriage and that kind of set me on a path of trying to figure out what was happening because I realized that, you know, this is my second time now and something, you know, doesn't feel quite right. I'm really proud of you for um, step, like going ahead and exploring what was wrong with you because, you know, I don't know if this happened with you and this would be a question for you, but did your doctor reassure you that things would be okay the next time or did they really push you to say, okay, now it's time for you to go in, you know, go to a specialist and, you know, do some additional testing. Yeah, my doctor was really amazing and I really love her so much. She, she was so kind to us the whole time and like cried with me and held my hand and hugged me and was just like the most wonderful person. Um, but she um, directed me towards a specialist at that point and she said that usually people don't do this until their third miscarriage, which is when they would classify it as a reoccurrent miscarriage. Um, but she was like, I don't want you to keep having miscarriages, so I want you to try to get help. So at that point, I went and saw a specialist, and I, they did a whole, like, host of testing to try to figure out what was going on. Um, you know, tested my hormone levels. They did some testing to see if my uterus had a weird shape. They did a fallopian tube thing to, like, see if there was some blockage there. Um, I did genetic testing to see if I was a carrier for something that was preventing um you know, the, the baby from growing and, um, all of those things came back totally normal. There was like nothing wrong on any of my tests. Um, and so the doctor said, well, why don't we just give you some progesterone and maybe that'll help. Um, maybe not, but it won't hurt. So about a month and a half later, um, I got pregnant again and, um, this time I was feeling really hopeful because I had taken progesterone. I was like, maybe this is it. And I um, ended up having another miscarriage. And this time I went into the doctors around seven weeks and there was no heartbeat. Um, and I decided to do a DNC this time, which is where they remove um, the, the baby through um, surgery. And we did that because if they do that, they're able to do genetic testing on the uh, on the embryo to see if they're if it's carrying anything that would cause the miscarriage. So we could try to get some answers. Um, and so that's what we did. And that was one of the really the most difficult things that I've done is like going into the hospital and going into surgery. And you're it's already a hard thing going into the hospital. And but then going in knowing that you're going in pregnant and leaving not pregnant and without a baby is is really challenging it's hard to it's hard to think about yeah 
Yeah, it's, I, trust me, I cried a lot um, myself. And so I, you know, my mouth, first of all, is open and I'm shaking my head. I mean, I can't imagine how horrible this is. It's just so sad. Um, and, you know, it's got to be worse living in a day of social media. I hate to bring it up, but it's true where people, you know, are pregnant, parading like this is easier, that this is, you know, these things don't exist, miscarriage, because it does. Um, and, you know, I just commend you for stepping forward, that's all I could say, because this is a nightmare. This is great that you did the testing, though, you know, and it's good that yeah. you did the testing not only on the embryo, but also on yourself, right, to take the steps to try and figure it out. You didn't lay over. And just say whatever you take. You did take the steps. Um, I mean, it's horrible. What was the experience like in the hospital for you? Yeah, it was it was really hard because you know the doc the people are like, oh, why are you here? What are you doing? And then you have to explain to people like what's going on. And I'm crying, you know, the whole time, and um, it was just really awful. It was a really like dark moment in my life. Um, but I knew that it would also provide some answers and that's like what I was after this whole time was just like I needed to figure out what was going on um, to try to move forward and um, so we it was a couple weeks later um, we got the results back and we found out that um, if one of the hard things about getting genetic testing is that you find out if you were having a boy or a girl. And so we found, we found out, yeah, at that point that we were, I was pregnant with a little girl. And so it was really hard to just like know that type of information and know like what could have been, you know? Um, but we also found out that um, the reason for the miscarriage is something called a balanced or an unbalanced translocation. Um, and I've learned a lot about science during this time and a lot about chromosomes. Um, and basically what that is, is on all of your chromosomes, there's like two arms and like two top arms and two bottom arms. And what happens is um, sometimes the there's extra genetic material on like the top arm or there's not enough genetic material on the top arm. Um, and or the bottom arm or wherever um and so because of that um there the the embryo is not viable it won't survive um, because it has too much or too little of uh, genetic material and the reason that happens is that the parent so one of us my husband or i are um have something called a balanced translocation um, which means that, and actually we, my husband went through genetic testing after this, and we found out that he has a balanced translocation. So he has all the genetic material that he needs. It's just in different places than like you and I. Um, but what happens is when our chromosomes um, go to, you know, make a new baby, um, they're not lining up correctly because his are in a slightly different order than mine are. Um, which causes the baby to have too much of something or too little of something. And so we found out that if we kept trying to have a baby naturally, we would just keep having miscarriages over and over and over again, um, which was 
a really, really hard thing to find out because so many people around me were having babies so easily. And I knew that nothing was wrong with my body. But because of this, I couldn't get pregnant uh, or I could get pregnant, but I couldn't have a baby full term um, because of that like little chromosome issue. So that sent us down a whole other path of what do we do with that kind of information. Um, we thought about adopting, um, we considered IVF, and we also looked into something called embryo adoption, where you can adopt people's embryos that they had from doing IVF that they didn't use, um, and they implant those into your body, um, and then you get to carry the baby still. It's just not like uh, biologically um, you know, related to you. So actually that's the avenue we decided to go on first. Um, we went all the way through the process of uh, adopting two embryos when we decided that actually we didn't want to do it and we wanted to give IVF a go. Um, so deciding to do IVF was really hard for us because we knew that if we did it, our baby could have the same like genetic material that Andy has, my husband. Um, and we were really conflicted about that because we knew that when she went to go have kids that it would be really hard for her and I felt really bad about you know doing that to my child uh so it was it was a really really hard choice to make um which is why we decided not to do IVF originally um but after thinking about it a lot more we decided that we wanted to have a baby that was like biologically ours um, and that if someday she really struggled, we kind of made the commitment that we would pay for, you know, anything that she had to go through related to it and help her along the way and give her the information she needed really early on. Um, so that way she didn't have to wor wonder about why these kinds of things were happening to her. That's a really hard decision. Um, really, really hard decision. I can definitely see why you explored your options too, because it's really to think about your child um, and yourself. Like you're balancing a lot of different things. And so I think any decision was a good decision. Um, and what did that look like as far as um, them doing genetic testing on the embryo to prevent this? So how would they prevent this? Yeah, so, the, so what could happen is we could keep trying to have a baby naturally and at some point, the genetic material would line up correctly and we would be able to get pregnant and have a baby full term. They say it's a 25% chance of that happening, that it that we would be able to have a like successful pregnancy. Um, but there's also, you know, a 75% chance it's not going to work. And I like couldn't keep having miscarriages over and over again emotionally. It was like so, so hard on me and on Andy that we decided to do IVF and it's it's really not that much different except for that there's more embryos to choose from and they can find the one that doesn't have the balanced or the unbalanced translocation um, and that we could use that one um, which is what we ended up doing um, and so we, we went on to do IVF and that was a whole process in itself it was awful so many shots so many emotions like tied to that, you know, wondering if it's going to work. Um, and throughout that process, I also found out that I had a low egg count. So <laughs> when you do IVF, you want to get tons of eggs because the more eggs you get, the more embryos get to be formed. 
Um, but when we did the egg retrieval, I only had seven eggs um, that came out. And I just listened to your other podcast and, you know, Nicole said she had 40 eggs and I was like, oh my gosh, like that's crazy. I've never heard of that, by the way. I don't know anybody of my friends who have frozen eggs. I think I, one got 11, one got three and had to do three rounds. Okay. One got eight. I mean, I, and oh, one of my girlfriends actually got like 36 and that's, that's unheard of. I mean, I don't know. Most people I feel like are in your boat where they have to do multiple rounds. Yeah, I was like, I was like, it's insane. 40? I was like, oh my God. (laughs) I didn't react to her, but I was thinking, oh my God, this is like the best situation ever. Right? Seriously. So we only got, uh, it was seven, but then um, only one of those um, was um, like viable because only one had the like correct genetic material that lined up correctly. um, And all the other ones like didn't survive. Um, and so that was Sadie. We only had one little embryo and, um, we knew she was a little girl and it was really terrifying because all of our eggs were in one basket, you know, like we were like, this has to work, you know, we just spent, you know, like $15,000 just to get those eggs. And, um, it was a really stressful process because you wanted it to work so badly. And like, I'm, I feel so, so lucky. Honestly, I feel like it's a miracle, um, that, that I was able to, you know, successfully get pregnant, um, with her and yeah. Yeah. You know, I, first of all, congratulations. The baby is beautiful (laughs) and I love her name. Um, (laughs) one of the things I think, that is an important topic that we touched on a little bit was the egg count, right? And one of the things that I've heard, which I don't, I'm not an expert. There's only stories I've heard from my friends that haven't even been on the podcast yet about egg freezing or anything like that. But a lot of it really has to do with the quality of the egg. So I guess you can get a ton of eggs, but then I think, you know, some people just, they'll have a ton, then they get maybe three or four that are, are really, really good that work, right, to be fertilized. And so does it all depend on the count versus the quality or what was the provider saying to you after you got, you know, seven, eight eggs out? No, it's, it's definitely the quality. Um, I think you could have a ton, but they may not be strong quality so that when they go, when they get fertilized, they're not going to probably survive the, the like fertilization period, um, because they weren't of good quality to start. Um, and so some of mine weren't only a few of them were of good quality. And then only one of those ended up, you know, being fertilized well, you know? Um, and so, yeah, I think the more you have, it's probably you, your chances are a little bit better, but it still might not be as good just because of the quality. And did you have to still do the 12 weeks of progesterone after your embryo took? Yes. Yeah, I did. And that was really painful because over time you're doing it in like the same spots for so many months um leading up to that that it just like gets super numb and i had this like not like in my butt for like months after that um from where i was injecting progesterone um so it was super uncomfortable and i we might end up doing ivf again um and i am really really not looking forward to doing all those shots all over again (laughs) Can you avoid the progesterone or no? I don't think so because because your body didn't get pregnant on its own. It's not um, like developing the same like hormones on its own. 
So you, you need like assistance to do that. I, you might not have to do it as long. I think they do it for more of like a safety, just, just in case, you know? Um, but I'm not sure. I think next time around, I'll see uh, what we have to do. So you're going to do it again. You're thinking about it. That's, that's the plan. Um, I, I know it's like crazy to do it again because our no, chances are crazy. not super great. It's your decision. Yeah. And I don't mean to ask it in that way. I just, no. yeah, I just mean like, um, sometimes I can be a little blunt. It's more of just like, so you're, you're thinking about doing it again. Like, does the process seem daunting to you? Or do you feel like now that you're educated on it, you feel like more, like a lot better about it? I feel really stressed out about doing it again because I don't know if it's going to work. And um, it's a like huge financial cost to do IVF. There's no in, like coverage by insurance. And so even like right after we had Sadie, we're already trying to save to have another baby. And it sometimes just feels really frustrating when other people are, it's like happening so easy. And I'm like, Oh, I have to pay for this baby, you know? <laughs> um, and, but financially you know aside that's just something that we have to deal with but it's it's a big like emotional like stress to wonder if it's going to work and even though I know the reason why we're having miscarriages and know that if we have the the right embryo our chances are way less likely it still is like that thing that is looming over me is is this going to work am I going to have a miscarriage am I going to see a heartbeat this time you know and I because of the miscarriages happening back to back, I honestly was pregnant for like a year and a half. I also had a really like awful pregnancy too, just super, super sick, throwing up every day. I ended up losing weight um, in my like first trimester instead of gaining weight. And I, I'm really not looking forward to doing that again. I enjoy being pregnant. I was not one of those people who loved every minute of it. Um, so just all of it sounds really stressful to do all over again, but I really do want to have Sadie to have a sibling. So I'm willing to do it. Yeah. I know you're not looking forward to being pregnant again. I mean, I hated being pregnant. What was really hard for you about this pregnancy emotionally and physically? I, it was like a constant a state of stress for me. Like I was always worried that something bad was going to happen because I had seen so many bad things happen to me already that even when the doctor told me everything looked good, I like, I felt like I wasn't going to know that until I was holding her. Like I, up until like the day she was born, I was like really, really stressed and like just was praying constantly that everything would be okay. Um, and, you know, now, now that she's born, I have a whole other host of worries, but, um, it was, it was really, really stressful the whole time. Um, and then, you know, being really sick on top of it, I was throwing up for the, per the first six months daily. Like every time I ate, it was, it was really hard. Um, yeah, <laughs> but I think it was just always, always worrying that something was going to happen. What is the likelihood of Sadie carrying this? genetic um i don't know i want to say issue but carrying the genetics of this um i am not positive uh on that i think it's like a 50 50 it's pretty likely that she will got it okay so they'll combat that if if and when the time comes and as far as the risks of your pregnancy was there anything any risks associated with you being pregnant out, like now that they checked the embryo and all that, did they warn you of miscarriage or anything? 
Um, no, actually. Um, and that was, I think, the one positive note of all of this was I now knew why I was having miscarriages and it was because of this issue. And now this wasn't an issue anymore. And so that gave me like a little bit of hope, at least throughout my pregnancy was like, I could have a miscarriage, but it would be super random if it happened because I know why I was having it before. Um, and so going into it again, I think that gives me a little bit of peace too. Um, you know, obviously I could always be one of, I think it's, is it like a 25% chance of miscarriage? Um, it, there's always a chance, you know, that it's still a chance that it could happen. I just know it won't be for that reason. Um, and so it, it gives me a little bit of peace of mind knowing that. Yeah. So I guess my final question for you really is like, now that you know what the issue is, do you prevent pregnancy now? Like, is it something where after you guys have the next child that you'll just be done being pregnant? Like, what do they, I mean, you know, it's a 25% risk. So what advice would you give to someone now in between this window, right? Before you do IVF, what are you, what are you doing? Yeah. I don't know. I think it all depends on the person. For me, I feel like I can't emotionally go through another miscarriage. So we're preventing pregnancy between, um, you know, IVF. And if we end up do having another child, then we will um, probably do something. You know, my husband will get snipped after that. So we don't have to stress out about it anymore. Um, (laughs) Because I just don't want that to happen. There's always something in the back of my mind that's like, well, maybe if you get pregnant, it'll be the time that it's okay and it works, you know, but I just, I I feel like I've been hurt so many times already. I just like, don't feel like that's possible for us. You know, you know it always is. It still could happen, but um, I'm, I think it's just not something I want to like take on emotionally anymore um, if I can prevent it. That's fair. Yeah. So what um, well wish do you give to a mother out there who's dealing with the same, you know, genetic disorder that you have? It's called, give me the exact name again. Um, so it's a balanced translocation and my husband carries it. Got it. So what advice would you give to a mother that's dealing with this balanced translocation? I, it's hard to give someone specific advice on that, but I would say, you know, anyone who's like dealing with miscarriage, I think for me at least opening up about it was the first time I felt like freedom in it and any kind of peace. Um, and, you know, telling people, telling people early on when I was pregnant too. So that way I could share some good news with them before I had to share any kind of bad news was really helpful for me. Um, and I know there's a big, you know, stigma and people say, don't tell people like early on, but you know, I feel like do whatever you're comfortable with. And, um, don't be afraid to like celebrate something exciting, even, even if it does not end the way that you want it to. And, and I think also like advocate for yourself, get information. Um, don't let any doctors tell you like, it's going to be okay. You know, keep trying. Like if you feel like you need more information and you need more testing, like do it. Um, and don't wait around because, you know, it took us months and months to get to where we were and a lot of heartache in between, but Um, I'm so thankful that we actually know why it was happening. Well, thank you for coming on. And I'm sure there's someone out there dealing with this that is trying to find the information and trying to figure out how to navigate this with their provider and their partner. And, um, you know, even though maybe you don't feel this way or maybe you do, I just see you as being very um, just commendable, strong, 
strong-willed, um, your own advocate. And um, I just see you as being very strong. I know that's like the, that's yeah. just how I see you. And, you know, we're all dealing with something and I think it's just really how we react to it. Um, and I just see you as a very positive person. I'm sure you hit a low with it, but it seems to me like you, you have the right attitude. Um, Cause I was on a fucking low <laughs> and really feeling low. <laughs> I was not strong. Yeah, I was, I was just a mess. Um, so yeah, thank you for coming on. I, I really, really appreciate it. Thanks again for listening to another episode of Moms on the Mic with Mariah. We will see you all back here again next Monday. Go ahead and follow us on Spotify, Apple, and any major podcast platforms. On Apple Podcasts, rate and review us. Follow us on IG, YouTube, and TikTok at Moms on the Mic with Mariah. And let me know what issues you guys would like to hear on the podcast and any feedback. And also, if you'd like to come on and tell your story, go ahead and throw me a DM. Thanks again, and we'll see you guys next Monday. Another story from another lovely person. See ya.